This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 29th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. The feds have resumed sending kickbacks to state and local law enforcement that engage in some kinds of civil asset forfeiture. The program, known as Equitable Sharing, was suspended late last year. Today, I spoke with Darpana Sheth of the Institute for Justice and Adam Bates of the Cato Institute to understand how the feds encourage taking Americans' property without a criminal conviction. We knew for a long time that the federal government was uh, upset that it had to suspend this, uh, these kickbacks to state and local law enforcement. But, but what does this mean? I mean, this sort of puts a final nail in the coffin, doesn't it? Well, the problem is, is that it wasn't just the federal government that was upset. It was the state and local law enforcement that was upset. And the resu- resuming these equitable sharing payments really demonstrates that what law enforcement is prioritizing is their own funding over the constitutional rights of Americans. And although we agree that law enforcement should be adequately funded, that funding mechanism should not be tied to property seizures. And that's the fundamental problem with the equitable sharing program. One, it incentivizes seizing property. It incentivizes um, state and local law enforcement to circumvent their own stricter state laws in favor of more lenient and lax federal laws. And it, it allows this loophole where state and local law enforcement do not need to rely on uh, complying with their own state law. They can just use federal law. More than that, and I'll uh, ask you to chime in here, Adam, on this, to the extent that they're circumventing the normal channels for funding their offices, they're less accountable to the state legislatures that actually are the ones that are responsible for funding police agencies. Right. This is this is executive branch self-financing, and it is problematic. And and in our American federalist system, uh, things like criminal justice have traditionally fallen to to state and local governments. And this equitable sharing program is the federal government coming into states, some of which have banned uh, civil asset forfeiture, or which uh, give police a much lower percentage of the take, and it's the federal government twisting uh, the priorities of, of local law enforcement. And the, it's uh, police are, are people. Uh, they respond to incentives. When you have the federal government providing this incentive to use federal law instead of local law, to go to the federal government instead of your local legislature when you, when you need something, uh, it, it's very problematic. And this is why I think people, conservatives and liberals, people across the, the political spectrum uh, see a problem here. So uh, on the technical details, I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are well acquainted with the issue of uh, civil asset forfeiture. But in this particular context, So there's two kinds of equitable sharing. There's what were called adoptive seizures, where state and local law enforcement would seize property under state law and then simply refer that property or transfer that property to federal authorities to pursue a federal forfeiture action. And those were kind of the most egregious abuses because there really was no involvement of state and local law enforcement besides seizing the property. And in exchange, they got up to 80 percent of proceeds. Um, The second kind of Um, equitable sharing or so-called joint investigations. And that's where ostensibly it's a little bit of a misnomer where state and local law enforcement work jointly with federal law enforcement to seize property and then also investigate and pursue a um, prosecution. But um, last year, it was January 2015, then Attorney General Holder had limited adoptions and said that, well, there's 
in general, state and local law enforcement shouldn't seize property under state law with the exception, and it carved out a number of public policy exceptions and left the assistant um, attorney general of the criminal division with discretion to approve any others. Um, there's also another exception for adoptions that are done pursuant to a federal seizure warrant. So state and local law enforcement could still seize property for adoptive seizures, essentially. And as long as a federal magistrate judge signed off on that seizure under a warrant, um, which is really easy to do, they're done under what's called ex parte procedures, which means it's just a one-sided presentation of evidence by the government, um, that would be okay as well. Uh, and just so people understand uh, about the 80% figure, so various states set their own percentages of how much of the seizure proceeds go back to law enforcement. Uh, some places it, it's 100%, some places it's 50%, some places the money doesn't go back to law enforcement. Maybe it goes in the, the general revenue fund. Uh, but under the equitable sharing program, the federal government replaces whatever that state number is with 80% and it goes back to the seizing agency. So it, it is an overt uh, circumvention of what the state legislatures have established in those states. So in December, uh, the, the feds, the Department of Justice, suspended these payments and seem to make clear, we're going to resume these payments as soon as we can. And, and now they're, they're working to clear the backlog, which is to say all the payments that you would have been due during the time of this suspension, we're going to work to make you whole in a sense, which seems, it seems that at least the Obama administration has very little interest in this issue. Is that right? Um, yes. It seems the Obama administration doesn't um, – want to actually remedy the problem. It's, it's content to sign these policy changes that can be reversed by the stroke of a pen. And so what's really needed is congressional reform, um, so an actual permanent solution. And I think um, sort of the, the, the background is after um, the DOJ temporarily suspended equitable sharing payments, we saw that most state and local law enforcement then stopped seizing property. So it kind of puts the lie to the claim that it was about crime fighting because they were really just interested in getting the proceeds. Well, what are some of the uh, things we hear from law enforcement? Because there, there, a lot of folks were up in arms. The sheriffs in Florida, I, I saw a news story said they're celebrating the return of uh, equitable sharing. What were some of the uh, arguments presented by law enforcement about how this suspension, which is now no longer in effect, was going to affect their ability to do that. Well, and so it, it should be made clear that the suspension did not forbid them from seizing property. It simply for, uh, suspended the payments. So law enforcement, of course, was still free to protect us from from drug cartels and, and terrorism, which tend to be the uh, the talismans that get brought up by law enforcement. After New Mexico passed its basically abolition of civil forfeiture, uh, and that passed 98 to nothing in New Mexico, unanimous, uh, we really started to see law enforcement around the country get organized and start start pushing back against uh, forfeiture reform. And the, the arguments tend to be the same wherever you are, uh, that uh, civil forfeiture uh, takes money out of the drug cartels, that, that reforming forfeiture and requiring convictions 
uh, will turn states over to drug cartels. And Oklahoma law enforcement started referring to this, uh, the reform bill, as the Organized Crime Protection Act. So there's really pushing this uh, perception that the only thing that stands between uh, people and the terrorists or the drug cartels is is the ability of police to seize property without a conviction and to keep the proceeds of that property. So if the Obama administration uh, doesn't seem to care very much about this issue, Loretta Lynch, of course, uh, has wholeheartedly endorsed uh, forfeiture. She doesn't even draw a distinction really between uh, civil and criminal forfeiture. Uh, and Congress is unlikely to, to make a move, it seems, in the near future. What can states do to effectively nullify the impact of this federal program? Well, states should pass their own reforms. Um, The most important thing they can do is pass laws that say under the equitable sharing program, proceeds they receive should be allocated according to their own state law. So if, um, for example, the state law requires forfeiture proceeds to go to a common school fund or to the general fund, then that's where the money should go. Additionally, states can um, pass laws that prevent seizures or equitable sharing kind of seizures above a certain threshold. So if the goal really is to go after the drug kingpins and drug cartels and uh, imposing a monetary threshold of $50,000, no seizures should be, you know, this equitable sharing program um, to have seizures under the equitable sharing program that are below $50,000. And uh, as far as the, like, as we know that uh, New Mexico eliminated civil asset forfeiture entirely, is forfeiture can it still take place within Mexico? New, with, Me- New Mexico, sorry. With a criminal conviction requirement. So it, they still have criminal forfeiture, which is completely okay. Um, it provides the due process guarantees. And most importantly, you have somebody actually convicted of a crime um, before their property is taken from them. What kind of scale are we talking about when we talk about equitable sharing, that is payments from the feds to state and local law enforcement? In the last decade, state and local law enforcement have received up to $5 billion. And so we're talking about a lot of money here. Okay. How does that compare with budgets for law enforcement? Um, When the Washington Post did their big expose the other year, they found that at least 290 um, different police departments accumulated equitable sharing payments that were about 20 percent or more of their budget. So it it represents a sizable percent of what um, state and local law enforcement are using to fund their own agencies. Well, it it shouldn't be a, a mystery to people, especially to listeners of our podcast, why providing an overt profit incentive for Uh, law enforcement or for any executive agency. Uh, One can imagine a rule that said if the EPA finds any any violation of environmental regulations on your property, they get to seize the property and they get to keep the proceeds. Uh, I don't think anybody would rationally support such a law, but that's what civil forfeiture is. Uh, And so that's what uh, law enforcement is trying to protect when they organize against uh, these uh, reform efforts, but I, I do think there is some reason for optimism, perhaps not at the federal level, but I believe something like 26 states currently have forfeiture reform efforts at some at some stage of the, of the legislative process. So it, it does seem like uh, we've gotten the word out, uh, in part thanks to the Institute for Justice, who literally wrote the book on forfeiture abuse in America. But there is, there is reason for optimism, I think, at least at the state and local level. Darpana Sheth is an attorney at the Institute for Justice, and Adam Bates is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.